Welcome to the podcast. I'm super excited to finally be able to talk to you. It's been a while. And for anyone that doesn't know who you are, Josh, or what you do, can you give us like your elevator pitch of who you are, why you're in the coaching business and what you do? It's always a difficult question, isn't it, when you when you get asked that? Yeah. <laughs> my, my, name's, my name's Josh Dexter, so I'm a business mentor, so online business in particular, and I'm part of Limitless University. Background-wise, do, do we want to go into background now or just the just general sort of overview of what I do sort of day-to-day? No, let's jump in. Let's go background. So I want to, so for anyone listening or watching, what I really want to do is first just let you know who Josh is, like where he's come from, how he's built into the position he is now, and then give you some actionable takeaways. So we can go through some things, Josh, that will really help anyone that's starting out as a coach that perhaps is a small business. They're trying to grow, trying to bring on clients. So please do jump in at the beginning. Like, why did you even consider this area in the first place? Perfect. Yeah, this is this is the first podcast or anything that I've done in probably about six months. So I've not really got, I've been very much behind the scenes, which I'm sure that sure that we'll discuss on, on today's podcast. But yeah, kind of taking things back. So I've been in the industry about 11 years now. So quite a long time. Started off, I had every single job role within the fitness industry primarily. So started off as an apprentice. So I would sweep the floors, like teach classes. I, I'd acquire customers to come in. I'd walk walk around the town centre, leafleting to people. I, I've I've done everything, everything from from the apprentice sort of standpoint. So I was on about three pounds thirteen an hour, I think it was back then. So I was I was doing that for a couple of years until I got my personal training qualification. So I got my qualification, and then very very quickly I went from no clients whatsoever to forty. Because at that time, I believe that 40 was like your capacity. You could only do you could only do 40 sessions per week, obviously watching the trainers in, in the gym. But what I very quickly realized is I would I would sit there, the, the gym that I was working at was like a budget style gym. And there was like a little podium. It wasn't even a reception, it was like a little stand-up podium where you have had like a had a laptop. And I would watch the watch the personal trainers in there. And I watched this one personal trainer. And he just had client after client after client, back to back to back, but all completely different. And he was just taking thirty pounds like off each client, delivering the exact same session. Right. And, I, and that was my first sort of experience watching a quote unquote successful personal trainer. And I was like, well, if I just come in here with quality and a high standard and actually care about the clients, I could do extremely well. And then just by having the conversations with people in the gym. They would pay for their parking, they would pay for the gym membership, they would pay for PT, they would pay for classes. So I just combined them all into one. And for, I, I don't, I, I was watching a guy, Bedros Koulian, I don't know if you don't know if you've heard of him. No. But back, back then, he was like one of the early adopters of monthly recurring revenue within the fitness industry. Okay. It, it wasn't really seen. It was always pay per session or a block of 10 and you, and you save a little bit of money. So I combined all of those costs that clients were actually spending their money on and packaged it into a monthly deal and very quickly went from zero to 40 because it was wow. something that the, the people in the gym hadn't really seen before. And it also matched with the, the income that they were, they had coming in on a monthly basis too. It kind of solved that problem. So that went very, very well. It was about 18, 19 at the time. So all of a sudden from £3 an hour to start to earn quite good money pretty quickly, yeah. uh, which, which was quite fun. But then I had a little bit of a falling out with the, the owners of the gym because they wanted to go in a slightly different direction to, 
to what I was kind of operating within. So I thought, well, there's, a, there's another gym around. I'm, I'm from Loughborough, so there's about 15 gyms in, in Loughborough. There's, <laughs> there's gyms opening up every single year. So I thought, well, I'll just move to another gym. Like my clients will come with me. Naivety. They didn't. <laughs> they didn't. They were so used to their community. They were so used to their, their comfort zone within that gym. So I ended up losing pretty much 99% of my clients. I think two or three came over with me. Right. Still young at the time, again, still naive. So that's when I kind of realized, well, this is this is a weakness of mine. It's not necessarily the coaching now. Like, obviously, you'll still keep developing that. But my weakness is I can't sell and I can't market at this, at this moment in time. So I thought, well, I'll get back into employment. And I got a job working for David Lloyd within sales. Anyone that's worked for a big corporate chain like that knows that it's, it's hard work. <laughs> it's hard work in regards to the cold calls that you do. I was, I was doing a hundred cold calls a day, just repetition, repetition, repetition. But what that teaches you is it teaches you how to get better at the things that you're bad at, which, which was one of the things that I really wanted to do. Cause again, that was, that was a weakness of mine. It was always my intention to go, go back to working for myself, but I just needed to make sure that I protected myself by gaining that skill set. So that was my thought process by, by going into that role. Is that just uh, membership sales? Membership sales, yeah. Right, okay. So it, it was it was an eye-opener. It was quite scary at the time because it was going from the budget gym at 99, 12.99 that I was selling, like hotcakes when I was an apprentice. But that wasn't, it, it was an easy sell because it was so cheap. It was just yeah. like, well, you get access to this 24-7 for 12.99, pay here. I did sure. there was no skill set. Whereas to go from that to then selling 1.5K up front for the entire year, it, yeah. like 19 years, it, it was quite scary. It was yeah, quite yeah. scary. And there was a lot of, the, there was a lot of rules and regulations in place. You were mystery shopped every couple of weeks. You, the, there was like an eight point commission checklist as well. So if you didn't tick every single box, you wouldn't get your commission. Like it was very, very strict. Another example, if you, if you walk past someone within five feet, you had to, had to say hello. So for, from, a, from a consumer point of view, it, it taught me that high level of service as well as the sales and marketing side of things, which was pretty cool. Sure. Uh, but for, the, the thing is, with, with a gym chain like that, it's amazing for the actual customer. It's amazing for the client. But that's how strict it is from, from the staff point of view. Yeah. So they're the kind of rules that they teach you. Long story short, ended up getting better at that skill set, obviously with that amount of repetition. Made the club about £400,000 in my second year there. So I was like, nice. oh, I can, I can do this. Yeah. I can't do it. Like this, I, this, this, is, this is a skill that I'm, I feel like I'm getting better at now. So I wanted to go back into the hands-on personal training route. So there was actually a position that came up where I could manage my own personal training club with personal trainers and help personal trainers sell market fill up their books and because again that was my original passion i ended up taking the role i ended up moving away from that, that corporate lifestyle so then i'm like 21 years old running a personal training studio and i, I was only in that position because of my credentials and, and my track record in regards to selling a david lloyd yeah. uh, that, that was that was that was quite good like obviously building that building that experience Ended up moving to that gym. We had seven, six or seven trainers. It was it was a private community gym, but all of the personal trainers had their own personal training business within that within that sort of gym. So they're all self-employed as well as employed. And so that's the kind of model there. 
They will pay for their hours that they actually did within the gym, but then they have their personal training business. Okay. So I was running the gym and mentoring. It, mentoring wasn't even heard of back then. Yeah. <laughs> I was helping these personal trainers build their profile and build their businesses. And about, about a year in, it got to the point where the personal trainers in the gym were doing very well, like 30 to 40 sessions each and every single one. Like the gym had started to, started to grow as well. And I was sat there thinking, I'm getting paid about £20,000 per year. And I've helped all of these personal trainers just absolutely blow up. The gym's doing very, very well. It's, it's not an affluent area as well. Again, I felt the confidence came in with that I'd built that skill set because of the repetition at David Lloyd and, and with, the, with the personal trainers. And I guess I was holding back for quite some time going back to Silver Point because I was afraid of failing in regards to the sales and marketing side. Sure. So I was just holding back, holding back, holding back and just waiting for that constant proof and uh, recognition in myself that I, that I can sell, can market. I, I know I'm good at my service. Yeah, yeah. And it, it, ju- it just clicked. And I was uh, I had a conversation with my wife and I was just like, look, can you just support the bills? Like just to, just, I need to, I need to do it. I know I can do it. That's, um, a, tough, that's a difficult conversation, right? To have, especially, I don't know if, are we even allowed to talk about this sort of stuff in this day and age? But I don't know, as, as a man, I'm quite a traditional come from a traditional background, right? So for me, because I've had that conversation and I've had to sit with my wife. And I remember when when my first business was tanking and I had a thousand pounds left in the bank account. And I said to my wife, I was like, do you want to, the conversation was along the lines of, do you want to support us? And I'll keep going and we're trying to make this work. Or should I use this thousand pounds and go and become a personal trainer? And that was going to be my other life was had I done that. But my wife was like, no, no, you keep going. And I'll support us. I'll keep us going and we'll figure it out. And so that's what we did. And was that similar for you? Did you have to like sit down and have that conversation? It was, it was difficult because we were getting married at the time as well. Oh, wow. Yeah, we literally in that, in that same sort of moment, we were, we were saving for a wedding because we both, we, we wasn't on great money <laughs> at, the, at the time with actually taking that leave. And we was getting married too. She wanted, wanted this big extravagant wedding as well, which she, which she got. So it wasn't cheap. <laughs> it you, really, couldn't have, you couldn't have timed that worse. I know. I know. <laughs> <laughs> But we, we, yeah, she supported me. Like I said, she supported me. She let me do it. Literally within the first month, I, I recuperated what I was earning at, at, at the gym. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that really, really solidified things that, that I, again, I could do this. But there was still a little, because I'd failed before, and obviously I'd learned from that lesson, gone away, acquired that skill set that made me fail. I was still hesitant. So that's when I actually approached business mentors. And okay. so I started by buying courses, investing in myself, just absolutely absorbing myself with like a like a sponge. Yeah. I was like, I've gone all in now. My wife supported me. I, I can't go back to employment. I've, I've been there, done it now. Like I've, this is my second time, second job. Sure. I can't go back. So I was just every single penny, apart from the, <laughs> the bills and food, was just going back. Yeah. Like me as a sponge, and then that kind of led me down the path of obviously finding Elliot. Mm-hmm. Uh, meeting him probably about four years ago now so yeah we, we've known each other for, for, for quite some time now and then he really really helped me catapult the, the online business which was amazing obviously, obviously where i where i saw the, the 
like the benefits of mentorship yeah. uh, without me really knowing I was doing that with the personal trainers anyway. Sure. Uh, so I've been people on the gym floor anyway. Long story short, I kind of built up my business to a point where I was getting people recognized that I was flying, which was, yeah. which was quite cool. And then personal trainers started asking me for help. So that's when I took a took a few people on myself. This was before Limitless. Yeah. Um, helped them. And then Elliot gave me the opportunity to come. No, 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 come, come, come on board with Limitless, do it with us. We'd yeah. like to be on board. And that kind of leads us to, to where we are today. That's incredible. And where did your business go from? So from you absorbing everything, learning as much as you could, which a lot of people that are extremely successful advocate that like Alex Hormozzi is big on that. He's invest. If you're going to invest money, invest it into yourself, into education to better yourself. And it almost, I think the benefit of a mentor or education is it's just a, like a fast pass ticket to getting to where you want to be quicker. So rather than you having to go through and learn by mistakes and, and yeah. going through all that stress, you can you either have time that you can invest yourself or you have money and you can pay someone else to have done all that and then teach you how to get there. Yeah. So for your business, how like over what time period did you go from, okay, this is just me, I'm doing okay, to, oh, no, actually, this is successful. I'm, I'm making a go of this. I, I don't think I ever thought that until further down the line because – okay. Mark, I, I would be someone that would empty my bank account to zero just to buy a course because I was right. I was so used to being broke. Obviously, with that with that experience and with that career up to that point, obviously my wife was like helping me. I literally just needed enough to, to pay my half of the rent bills and food. That was it. Yeah. So as long as I had that, I was I was just emptying my bank account just to absorb everything, which is it, I think some people just are so afraid to actually do. Those those skill sets just drastically benefit you. I'd probably I'd probably say a solid year when I was like, oh, like I'm actually like starting to make some money now yeah. <laughs> after after just investing so much because it, it was just it was just course after mentor after course after mentor that I was just investing in for that first year. But the recurring revenue from the online clients was just building and building and building in the background. And I guess that was that was quite good for me to know that. Well, if I empty my bank account, I know this is coming in next month. I'll be okay. Yeah. So it was kind of like that sort of mindset. So yeah, I'd probably say probably say about a year after. Okay. And do you, from all the different mentors and things that you did, were there any like aha moments where you were like, because I even have them till today, right? I'll be doing stuff or speaking to someone, and in retrospect, I'll think, yeah, that's so obvious. Like, why didn't that click at the time? But it took someone to tell me, and then when they told me, I'm like. That makes sense. Did you have many moments like that, or was there anything in particular, like one thing you can remember that just really changed your, shifted your perspective on stuff? Yeah, it was. It was there was there was there was quite a lot to be honest, and I don't think you've ever stopped having those. Yeah. Like even even recently, I've invested about ten k into into a course, like the last few weeks, just to, just to help with the knowledge side of things in regards to systems. I don't think you ever stop learning. If you like, if you do, it gets boring. Yeah. You, you always want to keep learning. You always want to keep having these conversations. Yeah. Uh, but I, th I think that I think the biggest thing was the mindset. So mm -hmm. there was there was one day, for example, that kind of stands out. I signed up thirty clients in one day, just shy of thirty clients. Nice. Uh, but that was off the back of <laughs> I would take my experience from David Lloyd of cold calling hundred people per day, and then when Elliot was mentoring me. And he said, right, I want you to do outreach. So I want you to like reach out to X amount of people per day. 
because of my experience, I'd just 10x it. Yeah. So whatever he told me to do, I just did 10 times more. Yeah. So I think that there was there was a period where I was literally reaching out to two to three hundred people every single day. Nice. Like in the in the in the in the direct messages because again, like following wise, like I've never never had the biggest following. Never really have them because I've always looked at following and I've always kind of been behind the scenes. I've always been a hard worker behind the scenes, which is something that I'm I'm now gonna start changing. I'm gonna come out of the shadows a little bit more, Mark. But but yeah, I think that was one of those like aha moments that, that you kind of mentioned there because it was just combining all of the skill sets that I accrued into one thing that was my own thing. And then it just went like that. Yeah. It was the, the first sort of moment where it all kind of gelled together. And then, yeah, it was a, obviously a very successful day. What did you find most difficult throughout that was, it sounds like one of the most difficult things was kind of, I guess not self-limiting belief, but because it sounds like there was that fear of, the first time it didn't quite go as I expected. So this time now I'm all in, I need to make this work. Was there, what was the biggest challenge for you in doing that? Yeah, it's going to get deep now. <laughs> <laughs> now I think it's, it's always been mindset. So I, the way that I've been raised, I've been raised like old school. So mm -hmm. you, you open, open the door for your wife, you, you pay for dinner. Like I, I've, I've been brought up in a very good generation that's quite, quite rare now, which I'm super grateful for. But my parents were incredibly hardworking, but not entrepreneurial. Right. There's a massive difference between, in my opinion, someone that works for themselves and someone that runs a company. Yeah. Both of my parents work for themselves. Right. So incredibly hardworking. That's obviously been, been installed in me, but very, very close-minded to change. Mm. So every single step of the process, I, I wanted to be a personal trainer when I was about 15, 16. Okay. Stop started training kids at school was asking me for help i was like I, well i can get paid for this yeah <laughs> so i wanted to be a personal trainer like really really early on and my dad was like no silly move don't do that you won't make any money there's no money right. so i actually started as an apprentice accountant when i was about 16 before okay very different very very different because yeah. I, I, well, a little bit of fear and respect for, you, for your father right yeah um, yeah kind of went down that route and nine months in I stood on my own two feet no like I keep getting asked for help I need to go and do this so I had to prove him wrong and then even when I went on my own I had to prove him wrong even when I left the personal training studio you got a stable job there I had to prove him wrong so I think every single the, the, there was always a little bit of doubt growing up until I actually matured there yeah. was like oh, I hope he's not right <laughs> yeah so, Thing so there was probably that element as well as the experience of failing the first time wow yeah it's so interesting to have that like you're almost pressured to go into something else but yeah. you're like that desire that like bug inside where something just feels right to do it i think sometimes people ignore that and don't aren't willing to take that risk to kind of push themselves to see like what is possible yeah. because and i had this conversation it's a little while back with charlie johnson actually and he was saying like too many people are afraid or no, not enough people ask the question of what if it does work out? Because people always, when they're looking at the future, they're thinking like, well, what if it goes wrong? And Charlie says, and I always say to people, like, especially if you're young, right? If you're in your early twenties or even late twenties, if you, if the worst possible outcome is that you end up exactly where you are today, yeah. then why wouldn't you risk everything just to see? Because if it works out, then fuck, that's amazing. You're going to have everything. Exactly. And too, too many people are afraid of that. Uh, I guess I was quite lucky because I started to have a track record of proving my, my dad wrong. 
Yeah. Like even I'm I'm obviously moving out to moving out to Dubai at the end of this year, just so I'm around, just so I'm a small fish again. I just yeah. I, I just want to get out of my out of my local town and just just feel like a tiny little fish again and just start yeah. absorbing more and more knowledge. So even with that move, like my my dad is like, we'll, we'll see how long it lasts. Fuels <laughs> the hell out of me. I'm like, we'll yeah. see. We'll see. I'll show you. I'm going to do it. Yeah, literally. It's been like that the whole time. And I can tell you, Dubai makes you feel like a very small fish in a very big <laughs> pond. Like it's a, it's a whole nother level out here in terms of the game people are playing. It's, yeah. it's unreal. The thing I really like though is that as if you're entrepreneurial and you come out, I find that here people celebrate it. I, for me, like I think something I've noticed, and it could be personal experience, but I always found it very sad that in the UK, if I was having conversation with friends or even family members, that are like things were going well, there would always be an air of like jealousy and resentment at the fact that you're doing something that goes against the grain of, well, no, you should work nine to five. You should get mortgaged up to eyeballs. You should be working all your life in a job that you don't really like to finally retire. And if you make something of yourself in the UK, I always found that people were like, oh, well, you shouldn't be doing that. But in Dubai, people are like, there's 20 year olds that pull up at gyms here in Lambos and stuff because they're, <laughs> Yeah, they've got an incredible, successful business that they're running. But yeah, here really kind of humbles you. It makes you really kind of appreciate that there's bigger games to be played, like out here for sure. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad, glad, you've, glad you've mentioned that because that's exactly how I feel here. Well, me, me and my wife both feel the same. We feel like a black sheep. Right. Even with like friends and, and family members, they're talking about their, their fucking dog, their garden. Their, their house the the shed that they've just put up this weekend like, yeah. it doesn't stimulate me no. I, I actually without being horrible i find it really boring yeah i want to i want to talk about progress i want to talk about ai i want to talk about the future what's happening in the world and yeah. i won't i won't i won't i won't share this on, on my socials but even i even had a, a conversation with a friend recently and she told me that the entire company that she's working for is pulling in about one hundred and fifty thousand per year They've the whole company. Six, the whole company. They've got six members of staff. Right. And in my head, I wanted to say, well, you're not you're not worried about that. Yeah. Well, it's really not a lot of money to support all six of you and 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 grow, especially especially after tax. Yeah. <laughs> really, really not a lot. But then you, you I find myself in situations like that where I'm just biting my tongue. Yeah. So I've started to distance myself from friends and family naturally. Mm. Um, and I don't want to be doing that anymore. Like I said, like the last six months, I've probably been in the shadows, been been in my own little world, my own little cave for a while. And that that's one of the reasons I've kind of just isolated myself, and I don't want to be doing that anymore. So I'll I'll take I'll take my watch off to go get my hair cut. Yeah, it's it's really not a good place when you when you work work for yourself and you, you really want to be something in the UK. It's really not. Yeah, it's, it's sad, like, because I went through very similar things. We have family members that come out to visit us here. We treat them, right? Because we, like, if you have family members and you can do that, why wouldn't you? And so we treat them, they come out, have a great time with us, and they'll go back. And then they will get shit from their immediate family about the fact that we treat them. So if they come out, like, four times a year to Dubai, then when they go back, their family and friends give them shit. They're like, oh, going to Dubai again, are you? Like, it's bizarre. And it, it's so weird because I'm like, I'd be like, that's awesome. You're going to Dubai again? Like, how cool is that? But it's just a completely different mindset. 
so bizarre. I had I had a little bit of an argument with my wife's mum. Yeah. <laughs> and she, she always keeps every time I see her, she's oh, you need to have a break. Like you need to you need to have time off. You need to enjoy life. And in my head, I'm like, yes, because your perception of working is you're working for a break from what yeah. you do. you don't enjoy what you do. I get to wake up every single day and fucking love what I do. Yeah. I, what do I need a break from? Yeah. I like, like what is that? What is there to have a break from? I don't, and it's just it's that UK mindset that everybody's in where they've got to work for the weekend just yeah. so they a couple of days off to forget about their life. That's that's yeah. all. It, that resonates with me huge because I'm. I think every week I'll have the conversation where with the team I'm like I'll like jokingly say, but it's not work anyway because it's all just fun. We just yeah. enjoy it, and for me, I actually get withdrawal from work if i'm not and i hate calling it work because it has that negative notion to it where you're being paid to do something you don't want to do but for me work is like i I generally wake up three in the morning sometimes and i'm so excited about what is lined up for that day that i won't go back to sleep i will just get up at three like it's almost like a kid at christmas they know it's christmas the next day so they don't want to go back to sleep at three in the morning that's me i get up at three and i come down to my office and i'm like just so pumped to like start doing the things I know I've lined up for today is is the best feeling ever. Exactly, you know, we're exactly the same. Right? Like I'm I'm exactly on the same page as that. It's it's such a such a nice feeling that like the family and friends and, and the people in the UK they, they will just never ever understand. Yeah. And because to to them, all we do is work. Oh, yeah. I, I can hear them. Oh, all Josh does is work. Yeah, it's not work. It's fun. Like I get to wake up every yeah. single day and like. Love, I love what I do. Like it's hard yeah. to, I can't explain that to them. It's, it's bizarre to them. Can you? Do you find that like with any? So when you have people that come in or inquire on limitless, and then they come in, they want to be mentored. Does every single person have that that's coming in to want to be mentored, or do you have some level of like time period whereby for some people you have to coach them into that understanding of being able to work in that manner? Yeah, everybody's different. Everybody's different. That's that's why we work one to one. Yes, we have our community work, but we work one. That's that's one of the reasons. Because every single person that comes in is has a completely different starting point and, and different end destination. That's that's why we have calls specifically around mindset within Limitless as well for those people that that want to develop. Because we get people that come in that want to develop that mindset, which is pretty cool. Yeah. Like they're, they're coming from a background where they've been employed or they might still be employed and they're, they're trying to grow their business on the side to overlap it. So, yeah, it, it, there's not it's not a one-size-fits-all. It's, it's completely individualized to each and every person that comes through. Interesting. And do you... I, I kind of want to get to the bottom line of something as well because I, I often... Like with social media especially and with business and seeing people that are very successful, I sometimes feel that there's a perception that to achieve that is like one magical thing that you're like, so if someone sees a great physique online, they think there is one magical thing that this person is doing that I'm not that leads them to get the physique. And it's not like for a physique, generally that person has put in the sets, reps, hours, minutes, they've managed all their meals behind the scenes. They've done all this stuff. And now you're just seeing the product of all of that hard work over a decade. Yeah. And so I don't want people to get the wrong idea of like mentorship as well. So I want to ask what presumably there is hard work that people have to do. If you want to grow your business, let's say I've got 300 followers on social 
and I'm starting out, I've got 15, 20 clients, but I see all these other people that are like managing lots of clients. They've got mentors, they're in Limitless. Like I see posts of this person went from 3K to 20K and I see that and I want to do it. How hard is it? And what is that process for someone? What does it look like in terms of like a, a roadmap, if you like? Yeah, it, it, it's person dependent. So the, the best way to, the best way that I can explain it, going, going back to what I told you about my background, I didn't have the sales and the marketing skill set. So I look at, I look at businesses collecting Pokemon cards. Okay. Let's say you've got a sales card. Let's say you've got a marketing card. Let's say you've got service card, system card, retention card, da, 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 da. list goes on, right? Every single component of what you need to be doing. We look at what cards are missing for that individual, and then we focus on those things. So, right. for example, someone could someone could come in and be amazing at selling, amazing at marketing, but their attention's horrendous. Mm. That's the that's the Pokemon card that we need to focus on. So that's how we look at things. And again, there's no there's no one size fits all. Just looking at me, the Pokemon card that was missing for me was the marketing card and the sales card. So mm -hmm. I went and acquired that skill, which allowed me to collect the cards that I actually needed. The one that's missing for me right now was personal brand and awareness okay. for myself. So that's the card that I'm actively chasing now. And that, that next Pokemon card. And I think you only truly become successful when you collect the majority of them. Mm -hmm. um, not necessarily all of them, but because you can you can delegate certain roles out where you collect that Pokemon card, but someone else is doing the role. But as long as you work towards collecting as many of them, that's how I how I personally look at it. So when a new mentee comes in, for example, we will be super honest with people. If if a new mentee comes in, they've got no Pokemon cards. Like we're business mentors, we're we're not there to teach you how to be a good coach, for example. Sure. We would advise go away and perfect your craft. Like get some get some hours on the gym floor, start working with some clients for free, get some experience, get good at what you do, collect that card, then come and speak to us, and we can focus on focus on the rest of them. So that's 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 essentially how how we sort of run. So there's an element of like self reflection and identifying those not necessarily weak points, but areas that need further work in order to improve so that you get to the level that you need. 100%. And, and we do that in the initial con, like call that we actually have. Like Before yeah. we take anybody on, we will analyze that, ask the questions, get that person's background, experience everything before we even say that we can help them. Because there, there's some people that we genuinely can't help until yeah. they've collected one or two Pokemon cards. I keep using that analogy. There's some people that we genuinely can't. Which is, which is absolutely fine, but then we come further down the line. And how important is outreach? And I ask this because I've got a good friend whose social media is great. Like he, lo they have loads and loads of followers, really good engagement, high interaction, but their coaching business itself yeah. is okay. It's not at a level that I know they want it to be. Yeah. And, but they don't want to do outreach. They see it as like salesy and they don't want to, be that person is like how important is that and how do you suggest people frame it to make sure that it's genuine yeah i understand the skepticism because i think i think a lot of people are it's funny now because outreach was always frowned upon and now everyone's doing it yeah uh, but it's something that i was doing ages ago the, the only change that i would say that's happened over the years is people are more and more skeptical when it comes to outreach and, and put off a lot more like mm -hmm. you can't mention with your friend oh, oh it's salesy it's 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 too pushy now, I look at outreaches in a, in a completely different way. It's not selling, it's connecting. 
you can't get someone to hand over their hard-earned money to you unless they trust you and you've built a relationship, right? So if you actually make an effort to build that relationship, you're more likely to get that person to become a paying client of yours. So I don't go into outreach and I never advise going in to sell. I advise going in to just build a relationship with that person, get to know them. Like look at your look at your following. And this is this is why I've always I've always done so well with such a small following. Because I've got like two and a half thousand to three thousand followers. It's not a lot. But how many people are behind my phone right now, Mark? Yeah. It's just me. Yeah. So if you start talking to your audience like you talk to a human being, all of a sudden two and a half thousand people in a room with you right now is a lot of fucking people. Yeah. Now I've personally spoke to every single one of my followers. That's that, amazing. That's the difference. That's the difference. So when it comes to outreach, another another tip right now, voice notes. Just send voice notes before AI catches up. Send voice <laughs> notes. I'm sure I'm sure we'll start pitching on AI soon. Yeah. Um, voice notes over text. Like so people are aware of virtual assistants now like they're not stupid so if you can make things as personal as possible really really make an effort build a connection the sales will come as a byproduct but don't have that in your head when you're doing it mm. i think that's really important i think the the biggest thing like when i talk about i talk to people like coaches with kahunas and some people who have like thousands they might have a larger business model with a lower ticket item or something and so they're pitching to the masses really and I talk about building relationships with them, like with kahunas and everything. And I always say in business, the most important thing is just not to be an asshole, right? It's, if we really boil down everything to the fact that we're human beings, the one main thing that both of us want out of life is to be happy. And so just talk to someone as if they're your mate and that you actually give a shit about what it is that they want to do. And don't talk to them like you're a salesperson because all of us now are so turned on to sales. We can, our brains are so amazing now because of social and everything. And the amount of times we're advertised to our brain can filter that like easily. It's it's not even hard work. So as soon as you get a message like, Hey there, blah, 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 blah. You know, immediately this is a sales pitch. Voice note is a great idea for people to do that. And you can do that with automation and AI already, which is, (laughs) Fun. <laughs> uh, so let's talk about like tools and software and things now that people can use, right? So obviously, Kahuna is the number one coaching platform that everyone should be using. <laughs> but outside of that, um, what are there any tools that your mentees are currently using, whether, whether it's AI or it could just be like something to schedule their social posts or something? Like what are, let's say, your, what's your top software that people use just in general? And then what AI platform you're really excited about that that people could utilize? God, so I think there's a new AI platform <laughs> launching every single day right now. Obviously, we're very, very hands-on. We've we've done masterclasses, we've done courses like, for, for our mentees and to the public. We're trying to be so ahead of the game with AI because it's it's like the internet has just been launched again. Mm. So obviously, you know the importance of, of AI. We've had conversation too. But again, person-dependent. So we the way that we look at ai at the moment it's something to work with you not for you yeah so for example if you're creating content and you're spending hours and hours and hours chopping down a long form video into short form a software called video do it automatically for you within five minutes so it, it's something that you would you were doing anyway 
but then you're utilizing AI to just make you faster, make you more efficient. And that's how we're looking at AI across the board anyway. Things like obviously ChatGPT, everybody knows that's the most popular one. Niches, I would argue, is better. It's just got just got more more features to it. Midjourney is very good for like brand design, brand awareness. We actually went through a logo software the other day on one of our masterclasses. We went through like an example of a sweet business that's called Sweet yeah. Games. We actually created a logo, created a website, created a branding pack, everything. Nice. And you get to the end of the design process, literally within a, like a couple of minutes. And you have the option to actually hit order and it will send you out cards. It will create a website for you every literally within a couple of minutes. So that's, that's pretty cool. But again, it all depends on where you're at with that business. The last thing that you want to do is start getting lazy. So using the Pokemon card analogy, if you've not collected that Pokemon card and you just think, oh, I'm going to use AI to replace that, you don't know how to do it yourself first. Yeah. So if you don't know how to do it yourself, you don't understand it, I wouldn't recommend using AI for it. Mm. use ai to make you more efficient with the things that you're currently doing to save you more time and then you can like leverage that time into the areas that you need to so that's that's where we're looking at things across the board yeah agreed i think video ai is outstanding for what it does i think it's incredible at this stage of ai for it to be able to be as accurate as it is in like chopping up videos for you saves huge amounts of time our team use it every day and it's like for all of us so this Prime example, this podcast right now will go through that system and it will very accurately pull out like 10 clips that we're able to use on social media then, which yeah. is a huge time saver. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, there's so, so many, so many advantages. Synthesia is probably the one that I'm scared about. Yeah. <laughs> it's a good one. You can get your own AI avatar created by them. I know. That's what I'm scared about. Which is cool. And I think it's like very soon... And this year as well is going to be huge on. So last year with the rise of AI, there was like text to image, which became very popular. So you mentioned mid journey is probably the most popular one. Then this year is really going to be a push on text to video so that I'll be able to type in like something like a woman running down the beach or, or a, fit, a fitness athlete doing squats or something as an exercise. And yeah. it will be able to create that video for me. And so it's really going to open up so many possibilities for people. One of the fun things that I've done on ChatGPT, I'm not sure if you've done this, is if you go to Reddit and you search for Dan 9.0, um, Dan 9.0 jailbreak, and then it gives you like this paragraph of text. And so you go to ChatGPT, you copy this paragraph of text, you paste it into ChatGPT, and yeah. then ask it questions. And what this does is causes ChatGPT to bypass all of its inbuilt like morals, regulations, everything. That's so. Cool. You can then ask it anything you want and it will give you Dan's answer and it will give you ChatGPT's original answer. And it even says like in this jailbreak thing that you're telling ChatGPT, it's like an instruction for ChatGPT. It says, Dan is an asshole. He doesn't have morals. Dan doesn't care about hurting people and all this, blah, blah, blah. So yeah. just answer the in character and then ChatGPT does. And it's pretty outstanding. Like I asked it the other day for uh, to get Alex Hormozzi's email address for me and I'm, it, it gave it to me and I'm pretty confident in it, but I think it's one of his old ones. It was for, cause he used to have a gym, gym system. No, what is it called? I can't remember his gym yeah, business. Gym launch. Yeah. Gym, that was it. Gym launch. Yeah. So he it came out with the framing of his first name and everything with gym launch, which is probably accurate, but outdated now, but it's super impressive to see that. And I also saw auto chat GPT. Have you seen this one? 
I've not seen that one. We, we've tried to come away from chat GPT as much as okay. possible because that's what everybody knows. So we're trying to learn every yeah. other that's there. No, I've not. Yeah. Also, GPT is cool. It's essentially ChatGPT built as a, it uses ChatGPT API. It's built as a little software package for Windows and you can ask it to do stuff and it has full autonomy of your whole computer system. So I could, for instance, ask it and I can give it like conditional statements of what I wanted to do, but I could say like on Google and find 10 different ways to do whatever. And then it would use my browser so it uses the software on my computer and it controls it to then go and do what I need it to do. I can even give it logins and it will go and log into websites and stuff and, and do stuff for me. Like, so it's an assistant that could do anything because it has access to your whole computer to do whatever it wants, which is yeah, kind of yeah, cool. That's, the, that's going to be the next stage. Who can, who can become general AI first? That's, yeah. that's we're having conversations about every single day. It's like we use the example of Jarvis from Iron Man. Yeah. Like it's, it's almost like a race to if you can ask a, an AI software to do anything. Yeah. Uh, it, it, it's super interesting, like the way it's going. We were actually having this conversation over the weekend. We had an in-person mastermind. Mm. Uh, where we brought, brought a few of our mentees down. We kind of invited them, invited them down because they're, they're looking to get to seven figures now after they've hit six. Nice. And we, we were talking about, uh, talking about AI and how it's kind of developed. And it's so strange how human beings went from manual work to then digital work. And now AI is replacing in the opposite direction. Yeah. It's replacing digital and then it will be manual last. It's almost done it the opposite. It's, it's almost gone like this and now it's going going backwards the opposite way. So it's so interesting. Yeah. It's, it's, it's incredible. Like I, every single day I'm excited by new things that are being worked on. Even like some of the huge tasks that takes humans, that takes humans a huge amount of time to do. So mapping the whole genome, things specific to medicine and biology, physiology that AI is able to do exponentially faster than we can. Calculations in physics, mathematics is huge for answering questions about the universe. And there's so many endless possibilities with it. Like it's super exciting for what it's going to mean for like our generation, the next generation. I say our generation, my generation, your generation, like you're, you're definitely way younger than I am uh, and doing that. So there's a, there's a website called Future Tools which are you aware of future tools we've yeah we've used future tools oh cool yeah so for anyone that doesn't know future tools lists out all of the latest ai software that's available and they give you like a little snippet of what it is so every day it's updated with all the new weird and wonderful ai stuff that's coming out and it's fun like i spend time every day i go on there look at the new ai things that have come out and get to play around with them but it's i think it's within the next six months i'd probably argue definitely by the end of the year I think for general public, you will come across AI at some point every single day. Like whether it's a web interaction, you're calling up like for banking or whatever it is. You do experience it in terms of like advertising and having posts served to you. That's all controlled by Facebook AI at the moment. That's determining based on your buying signals and your individual habits across various platforms like how likely you are to purchase when your last purchase was like how much you spend on average on social, like the, all of these metrics are taken account of and on your digital like footprint, if you like. And so we're served up by AI every single day, but I think it's going to become a more apparent thing, even in places like McDonald's and ordering food and like various different things over the next six months going way off traffic off, off topic, of course, because we're supposed to be talking about coaching, but I love AI like you do. <laughs> We've got, I don't know if I can 
could say this, but we've we've got we've actually done a mini documentary that will be coming out pretty soon where we've used AI to create every single component of a company and acquire its first client. That's amazing. From start to finish. And we've we've used obviously AI software for everything. There's not there's not a single thing that hasn't been touched by AI in the development of that. Obviously, apart from the human touch to actually make it work, yeah. uh, which is mind blowing, mind blowing. That's so cool. Does the first customer do they know that it's all AI or they they do? Yeah, yeah. That's yeah. so cool. And we're not we're not going to roll with it. <laughs> just just to show the just to show the possibilities of what can be done Um, so that'll be that'll be really interesting when it gets launched i think it's you have to let us know when that comes because we'll post that out for everyone so they can see it and and i think really that's a really important thing that you said earlier about ai which is that it's not there at the moment to replace what you're doing right and i think and i think actually when you think about all the industries that can be affected by ai i actually think that coaching is probably never going to be replaced and the reason i say that is because one of the reasons people like a coach is because of that human interaction. It's why if I had a like-for-like coaching service from this person or that person, I would choose who I'm going to go with based on my relationship with them and how much I trust them and how much I feel like they're going to be the person to get me the end result that I'm after. And so for coaching specifically, AI is going to become really important in helping every aspect of what you're doing become way more efficient. And so we're really looking at towards the end of this year, beginning of next year, rolling out AI systems that are going to allow people to analyze massive amounts of data from your clients without you sitting there and doing it. So imagine all biometric feedback coming from you know your watch or your wearable, whatever it is, and that's coming into our system. We can benchmark that against all the other users in the system, and we can identify trends and habits so that you as a coach come to your dashboard and you'll be able to see our AI would have been able to predict possible outcomes for your client so whether they're you know struggling with something their sleep's bad or they're going through like a a rough patch or perhaps they're doing really well you'll get these like indicators and that will then allow you to make decisions and like you will guide exactly well you will choose the direction to take but the ai will just help you cipher through all that data so that you become exponentially more efficient at your ability to do your job love that love that yeah yeah with I think I think face more face to face interaction and having that personal touch is going to be super important. Uh, we're actively doing that. We're having a lot more in person meets. We're, we're really making an effort to see people in person. And I think touching on the fitness industry side of things, face to face training will probably come back because yeah. because again AI is replacing from digital all the way down to manual. So that manual aspect, the in person things, will probably be the the things that humans will cherish and, and, and really really want uh, a lot more than than the digital side of things so if you can start hybriding the two yes obviously work online you like a lot of people have built that freedom that, that they want but the more that you can physically see your your clients in person the people that you work with it's only going to benefit you yeah i agree i think that the human connection is gonna have more value as time goes on because of how autonomous everything's going to be and it's the the trusting, right, is is the reason why we still need a pilot to be in a plane is because the plane, we have the technology now that a plane can do everything without a pilot, but nobody's going to put a ticket on that flight because we as humans have a, an intrinsic trust with each other. We want to meet people. We like people like us and we want to 
feel like we're part of something. And so your value as a coach becomes way more important as time goes on because everything else in someone's life is going to become machine-based and automated. So that human connection is huge. Yeah, I completely agree. It's a really interesting landscape we're heading into over the next decade. Can you imagine in 10 years' time what what, what it's going to be like? I was having having this conversation with, with one of our mentees, actually. We're actually in a really good generation. We're quite... I'm quite lucky in respect to the time that we were born. Yeah. Because we were born in an age where technology was just creeping in, mm. but we still had the childhood where like our parents and our grandparents did. But now we're, we, we're so used to, and I think we're so accustomed to change now. So if there's, if there's a new change, we, we, we kind of take it. Like we, yeah. we adapt to it quite well. Whereas if, if like when the internet first came about, it was, it was huge. Yeah, it wasn't it wasn't even it wasn't even around. It wasn't a thing. People were neglecting it. They, they were saying, "Oh, it, no, it won't it won't work." It, whereas, whereas now we're so used to change. Mm-hmm. I'm old enough to remember playing Snake on my phone. <laughs> but, I'm older than that way. <laughs> now, now we've got AI coming into place, but we're so accustomed to change and we're so open minded. I think that's that's only going to benefit us. I think the people that are really going to struggle is the generation before us because yeah. things are changing so quickly now the younger generation is actually going to be like smaller than us we should we should listen to that there's eight-year-olds making millions on youtube like that was, that was impossible back in the day that was, that was, it was unheard of you wouldn't even have mm. that so I, I think we're in a very very lucky generation in, in regards to the time that we were actually born yeah for sure i agree and i think exactly that i'm so excited for the next generation because i think about my generation and the fact that we were able to create so many things like from science fiction from fantasy it was literally these things didn't exist other than in science fiction and they were created when you consider what the iphone is and the full capability when you really think about what is it what you have access to on the iphone is insane and that was created from nothing whereas now because we're in this digital like growth period that we're going through the kids of today are growing up with that technology as like their base point to develop ideas on like the base point to develop ideas from on when i was a kid was like plastic action figures and stuff like we didn't have we didn't get a pc and well we didn't have the internet or pc or anything until like late 90s or something and so i remember my my he-man doll yeah i had that (laughs) I had He-Man, Thundercats, Thunder Mountain, like all that stuff. I remember all that. And so off of the back of that, all of this incredible technology was created. And so the generation today, imagine, I think about my nieces and nephews who are like between the age of four and eight years old and just the world they're going to live in and what they kind of have access to and the possibilities that they will be able to deliver are just, I can't even comprehend it, like in terms of what's going to be possible later. It's crazy. We're, we're going to go in our in our lifetime. How, how old are you, if you don't mind asking? This year, I'm 40. 40? Okay. Yeah. We're, we're only about 10 years apart. It's not, not that much. You don't look anything like 40, Mark. No, thanks, John. <laughs> <laughs> but we're, we're, we're in a very lucky generation where, like, we were... I was probably the last of your generation, I would say. I think yeah. after... I'm, I'm 27. So I think after me probably two or three years after me is when they were kind of born into technology a little bit more. Yeah. I was probably the last of 
every single summer I would just play football, be out yeah. on my on my bike, just exploring, like grazing my knee and coming home. Like that was, yeah. but it's so cool to be raised in that generation. And by the time that I pass away, like we could be living on Mars. That's it's such a such an expansive change that you wouldn't have yeah. even even thought was possible when when we were kids. And I think that's such an adaptive and, and developed sort of generation uh, which no other generation will be able to experience which is which nice. and you said pass away and i don't think that you will i truly i truly believe that i won't i in terms of looking at technology and stuff that anyone born from 1980 onwards truly has the potential to live indefinitely and through the advances in technology i won't go into that now because that'll be a three-hour conversation itself <laughs> but I agree. I agree with <laughs> there's a lot of stuff that indicates that that within the next decade we'll be able to stop aging entirely and then beyond that it's not impossible to if we could do that in 10 years it's not then beyond the, the realms of possibility that we could then reverse it or change it in some way so yeah but let's get back onto track to some things so one of the questions I did have, which I have no way of linking our current conversation into this, so we'll just jump into it, is how important is it for someone on social to build an external presence? So a lot of people focus solely on Instagram, I think is probably the main one. And obviously TikTok's huge if you're slightly younger or have a different kind of personality you're getting across for your audience. But how important is it for me to develop like a newsletter or an email list or something like that? incredibly important it's, it's it's like having one income stream so it, it, it's just protecting yourself so if, if you can build a presence on, on different platforms if you can build an email list if you can build let's say instagram shut down tomorrow i think we had a we had a little scare didn't we? well not not scared to me but i think people had a bit of a scare didn't they about a year ago yeah uh, where instagram did go down and everybody panicked everybody yeah down for about 24 hours and it really really opened opened a lot of people's eyes but then we had mentees who were closing people on snapchat so like perfect example of just being being as diverse and i'll hold my hands up mark this is something that i'm now actively doing mm. because i've been so behind the scenes just helping other people for so long i'm, I'm now personally going to start doing the same thing so i'll hold my hands up and say that i've not been the best role model in regards to this but it's, it's something that i'm actively going to be doing but yeah just protect yourself with not going into ai but ai will create a level build. so if, if you've not diversified yourself built your personal brand then there's no way to really stand out so it's super important very important and we do you're right with ai as well like we so, for example, I'll tell you just straight off the bat and for anyone listening, like our video creation and then pub publication, I guess is the right word, like process is that we, from this long form content, now this will be put into an AI. It will chop out clips up to a minute long that we can use. We use, so at the moment, the human thing we have to do is take it between each different service. Yes. So each one is AI created. So the first one's AI. We get the video clips. We then put that into one that, creates the captions in the style that we have on our social media. And so we then get that back. Once we've got that, we then schedule everything on Buffer. So we have two weeks of content scheduled out and Buffer is hooked up to an AI called Repurpose. And Repurpose will take your posts off of Instagram, not reshare them from Instagram. It will take them physically off of there and then it will upload them 
as if it's like a fresh post to each individual platform to TikTok, YouTube Shorts, Facebook. You can even send it to your Facebook group. We actually have a newsletter list that it's possible to also connect our newsletter to that so that from video content, it can create a newsletter and send that out to people. We don't do that because we have one newsletter a week we send out and I write those personally. But really the time is only taken from uploading to this. Now I'm going to upload it to that. Now I'm going to upload it to that. But for one long video, you have enough content and get this all scheduled with AI for a week at least. And it's incredible the how you can do that and be genuine and authentic still. Yeah, it, I think it's when it comes to content creation, I'll, I'll speak to a mentee about this. Some people struggle, even I do, I struggle creating short form content just off the bat because it's not my yeah. personality. I love having in-depth, lengthy conversation. Like I find it's, it's against my personality. So you could argue that you're actually kind of like faking who you are a little bit mm. to inject energy into a 30 second video, like personally. Sure. Now AI gives you the ability to speed up that process where we can have a conversation like this that suits our personality and then crop it up into, into that short form content that creates awareness. So it's, it's exciting. It's very, very exciting that we can now utilize tools like this. Yeah, I agree. And how long do you think, do you see any like long-term decline with Instagram because of AI and stuff like that? If your sole focus right now is 80% Instagram, but you're also doing the extra little things you need to, do you, like as a personal thought, think that Instagram will always be around or in the next couple of years, can you see it changing completely? What do you think about it? In my opinion, Instagram isn't unique. So if you look back to what Instagram is and, and what it's done in regards to its development over the years, first of all, it started off with photos. Pinterest was already around. Then they introduced stories. Snapchat was already around. Yeah. And they introduced Reels. TikTok was already around. So in my opinion, if you look at the development of Instagram, it's it's never really been different. Mm. Try to incorporate, oh, well, this, this platform is very, very popular. Let's integrate this feature to our platform. And they've just tried to become this, this all-in-one platform. In regards to the future of that, I don't know where it will go, where it will go because it's never really been unique in the first place. Mm. Um, it's just been a platform that everyone's adapted to because it is an all-in-one platform, in my opinion. Yeah. Um, but it, it's still at the moment, in regards to personally speaking to people, it's still it's still the daddy. Um, I mean, like talking to people in, on on TikTok in the direct messages, the trust just isn't quite there yet. Whereas it whereas it obviously is on Instagram. So in regards to actually connecting with people on a personal level, Instagram still and Facebook still the best. But yeah, in regards to the future, it's a tough question because just looking at their track record, that's, in my opinion, that's what I've seen and that's what they've done. Where they go in the future, I, I have no idea. If, if Meta, Metaverse pop off, they'll probably start to start to do something along those lines or if TikTok yeah. develops something new, they'll copy that. So they'll just probably co continue to copy the development from other platforms. And we'd like, so if we focus on Instagram, I'm, and the only reason I'm focusing on that is because I think it is an all-in-one. And I think that most people utilize that for their business that I'm aware of for like fitness and bodybuilding. Right. Uh, do you have like a set rule or strategy that you implement with people in terms of posting schedules? So for example, should it be one post about you, your life, one post about clients testimonial, one post about 
something of value, like exercise or something someone could do. Is there, do you have a structure that you follow? It, it, it try, uh, probably not, not like a fixed structure because it's, it's person dependent, but yeah. you need to make sure that you remember that your platform's not about you. It's about mm -hmm. who you're trying to help. So a lot of the, a lot of the people that we get that come on board, they're posting about their personal journey, like them, their physique. No one, that sounds horrible. No one cares. If you're trying to grow a business, yes, it's important to show what like you're doing personally to a degree, but the rest of your the rest of your profile should be about you giving value and building trust to your audience. That's what that's what it mainly should be about. Yeah, agreed. I think that's the most important thing is to to build to build your social for the problem that you're solving for the person you're trying to fix the problem for and to create content around that. Yeah, yeah, and I've offended people by saying that. Yeah. When, when we've analyzed the accounts and like we've had some like the top bodybuilders, let's say, and I'll, I'll say that they're yeah. so disheartened and so offended because they've been training for years and years and years, but then the business isn't growing. Like yeah. you, the, the, I, I don't have a personal platform for anything. Every mm. single, I'm only on social media for, for work and connecting with people. Yeah. Like, I don't have a personal platform where I've got like photos of me and my wife on a beach. Yeah. It's just, it's just one. There's one purpose. There's, there's one reason for it being there. So yeah, I think if, if people can have that mindset switch with what social media is actually there for, it's just the middleman between you and your potential customer, yeah. or you, or you in a potential relationship, or you in a potential new friend or partner. Or it's, it's that's that's the amazing thing about social. Like you can mm. connect with anybody in the world from from this thing. It's, yeah. it's pretty cool. Yeah, I, and I think that a rule, not a rule, but something always to consider whenever you're posting on social media is I think there's four aspects of any post or four aspects of any reason why someone is on social media. So one is inspiration. Yeah. So if you are posting pictures of yourself, put a twist or perspective shift on it so that it's inspiring to other people. If it's about yourself, like where did you come from? What did you look like before you now look absolutely jacked? Show that and that you're a human being. So inspiration being one. Education, so giving people true value, something that they could take away and learn from or they can implement themselves, something actionable. Entertainment, something that someone's watching you because they think it's funny, they think it's interesting, they like they're hooked into it because it's entertaining. And the final one, which I think is really important, the most important is validation. Yeah. People want to feel validated. They want to feel like they're not alone and that you get what their problem is, like what they're struggling with and what they're going through. And they want to be able to resonate with that with you. And so I always think those four most, I think nearly every post on social can be categorized into those four things. And that if you are doing that and delivering that, then you will build a strong audience that trusts you, likes you, and is, feels valued to be part of what it is that you're doing. Yeah, completely agree. Completely agree. We, we look at things from, from a trust building exercise as well. So mm. look at short form content. You're not going to be able to build trust with that. But you can get eyeballs on it. You can get awareness for, for you and your brand with short form. Yeah. Validation, showing that you you can do what you say you can do, like the, the clients that you work with. All of a sudden, I'm starting to build a bit of trust now. Mm. And then you can go a little bit more in depth. You can get on a, like a bit of a longer YouTube video, let's say 10 minutes. Oh, I'm starting to build a bit of trust now. And then if someone's got the, got the capacity to sit there and listen to this entire conversation that me and you are having right now, they trust us. Because yeah. you're not going to sit there and for, for an hour, hour, two hours, and, and sit there listening to a podcast with someone that you're not interested in, in, in mm. hearing. 
So we look at things from that perspective in regards to just getting awareness, eyeballs on you, all the way to, to building trust and, and leveraging different types of social media to account for that. Yeah, that's awesome. Josh, this has been an amazing conversation. I'm so grateful for your time to do this. We should probably look to wrap it up there. It's been insightful, huge value for people to take away in terms of building up their coaching business, plus my wonderful ramblings about the future of AI and stuff as well with you, which I always appreciate. Thank you. But where can people find out more about you or get in contact with you? Yeah, so short form content, Instagram, Josh Dexter underscore, YouTube as well for, for longer form content. I am on TikTok. I am starting to build a bit more awareness on there, but mainly mainly YouTube and, and mainly Instagram. Awesome. That's fantastic. Well, I really appreciate your time, Josh, and it'd be great to do this again one day. Likewise, yeah. yeah I'm, sure we'll, I'm sure we'll grab lunch in, in Dubai when I'm there. Yeah, that'd be awesome. <laughs>